Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. We're going to talk with uh, John Campbell from Odd Shark now, find out whether or not the Raptors are now, in fact, dead from a Vegas odds perspective. He is a Canadian. Does he also feel like the Winnipeg Jets are maybe going to end Canada's long national nightmare of not winning a Stanley Cup since 1993? But I'll start with the game last night that happened that is going to get the most attention, and it is the Raptors' collapse down the stretch against LeBron and the Cavs taking a 1-0 series lead. Do you believe that the Raptors are done, and does it pain you as a Canadian to say that? (laughs) No, I don't think they're done, and yes, it pains me, and, and what a way to lose. The Cavs weren't winning in regulation at all and uh, came back and won it in overtime. It was good news for me as an overbetter. I had the over and overtime help that one come over, but I think this is going to be a long series. I really didn't like the way the Raptors looked in round one against the Wizards. I don't think they should have been minus 200 as a series favorite coming into this, so I'm not shocked they lost in game one here. I think it's going to be a long series. I think the Raps do pull it out in the end. Yeah, so you do. What are these lines going to look like? I mean, this is the biggest underdog I can remember LeBron being in a series probably since he left Cleveland to go to Miami to begin with. Um, And so when they go on the road in Cleveland, I know they'll be favored on, I guess, Thursday, tomorrow, when the Game 2 happens, and they must win that one, obviously, at home. But on the road, what kind of line are we looking at? Because they were a seven-point favorite at home in Game 1. I'm guessing Game 2 will be something similar. Are we talking about a pick on the road against Cleveland? Is that the uh, anticipation here? Yeah, I, I think so. Something like that around a pick, maybe maybe line of one or two. And, and the Raptors are six-and-a-half-point favorites again here for, for Game 2. 
Last night's game was the was the most the Cavs had been underdogs by all season long at seven points. So that shows you how big that line was. And they typically don't win those games when they're underdogs by that much. Uh, so a little bit of a surprise they pulled out the money line win there. But, yeah, I think we're going to have a very tight line coming back. I think it's too many points again here with the Raptors favored by six and a half. I think the Cavs plus six and a half is a good bet for game two. I think these teams are much closer than that. The Rockets are 11-point favorites uh, last I checked tonight against the Jazz. The Warriors won game two late night last night over the Pelicans. Is there any reason or any advantage in particular you think in playing and gambling in the Western Conference or are you just kind of waiting for Warriors and Rockets to inevitably arise in the Western Conference Finals? Well, game to game, I think there might be a little bit of value and I think we're going to start seeing some value on the underdogs right now because the favorites have been covering at an incredible 64% throughout the NBA playoffs. And the last three games we've seen the underdogs come in and I think we might game to game see some underdog value there i think there's some more with the jazz at plus 11 against the rockets there game two has a special importance in the nba because if you go down 2-0 in an nba series the team that's up wins that series 94 percent of the time Oh, that's an amazing is- that's an amazing stat so if you go up 2-0 in an nba series you win it 94 percent of the time yeah, it, it's incredible. So game two is really important in the NBA. When you compare that to the NHL, they only win the series 86% of the time. And Major League Baseball, they only win the series 84% of the time. So there's a big, big difference there. And one of the reasons why I was on the Pelicans last night and a nice cover for them there. And I think it's too many points again here. What about uh, in general? Let's talk a second about the matchup in the Western Conference. Uh, if it's in, if it's going to be Rockets Warriors as it appears to be, how much of a favorite would the Warriors be, notwithstanding the fact that they would not have home court? I think they'll be minus two hundred, something like that. Uh, it, it much closer than we thought. Um, they're minus one ten overall right now to to win the NBA championship, and and the Rockets are are around plus two fifty. So. They're not that far away. I, I think something like that, minus 200, with Steph Curry back now, uh, obviously helps the Warriors quite a bit. Uh, the South Point took a $20,000 bet on the Warriors to win the NBA uh, championship yesterday. So a lot of confidence now in the Warriors with Steph Curry back. I think they'll be slight favorites. I, I, I think the Warriors are definitely going to beat them. So I don't think that's that bad of a price. How prohibitive of a favorite will the Western Conference team be over whoever wins the East? And who's the best, most competitive matchup, according to Vegas and the offshores, that the that could come out of the East to play the, the Warriors or the Rockets? Yeah, a huge, huge discrepancy here between the West and the East in, in terms of the odds. With the Warriors favored at minus 110, the, the best Eastern team was the Raptors going into last night at 10-1. to 1. So, really significant favorite. I, I think throughout that series, it, we might even see a double-digit favorite throughout. If, it, if it's a team like the Raptors, I just don't think any of them can play. I said before on the show that the Celtics were the team, my long-shot team in the East, that I think might have a chance. I just think they can grind the game down and play really good defense, and the Sixers found that out the hard way in Game 1. Okay, let's go to the NHL. Last night, Winnipeg gets down 3-0 at the end of the first period, then puts on a blitzkrieg, scores seven goals. Of course, two of them were empty netters, but win 7-4, and the Caps go on the road 
and win to go up 2-1. Do you like the Caps, and do you like Winnipeg from here, or how do you see these series playing out? Uh, I have the Jets going on. I had Washington beating the Penguins finally this year, and I think one of the big reasons is I think the Penguins are just finally running out of gas after winning two straight Stanley Cups, and uh, they're looking for their 10th straight series victory here. That hasn't been done since the 80s, since the Islanders did it. So I think the Caps might beat the Pens this year just because the Pens are running out of gas. The Jets were the second Stanley Cup favorites going into last night at plus 450. I love the way they're playing team defense. Uh, the Preds are really good. That's why they're scoring. That was one of the craziest playoff games I've ever seen last night. It's, it's just incredible hockey with the top two teams in the NHL meeting in round two. But I, I do like the Jets to go on there. I, I, I think they might get to the finals. All right, I know nothing about this, but I know it's going on this weekend, and a lot of people, myself included, will end up watching and probably end up betting on it as well. What should we know about the Kentucky Derby? Well, Justify is the real deal. I'm hearing from from every I, all the horse people that I talk to. I don't bet a ton of horses either, but they're all saying that Justify is just an absolute freak and amazing horse. So, at four to one odds or three to one odds, I think that's going to come down. He has to overcome the curse of Apollo, which is a term you'll hear a lot this week. That uh, goes back to 1892, where no horse that hasn't run as a two-year-old has won the Kentucky Derby. So Justify and Magnum Moon uh, are another horse that are that fall into that category. They're going to have to overcome this curse of Apollo. Uh, but, yeah, Justify is going to be the big story here. And if you like him, I would get the odds now. But I, I think they're really going to come down. One big thing about horse racing in general is it's paramutual gambling, which means you put your money down and then a lot of times don't know what the odds you're going to get are until actual post time happens. In other words, let's say you take a horse at 10 to 1. If everybody else understands and thinks that you made the right bet, you might bet it at 10 to 1 and end up getting it at 2 to 1, right? Which is crazy to me. Uh, does it make more sense then to get a line if you like a horse that's locked in like you could? Uh, in in many places where you gamble offshore or elsewhere rather than wait until the last minute and find out that the horse you liked suddenly you didn't get as good a number as you thought yeah it's it's a huge advantage it's a huge huge advantage because you're at the mercy of the public action going with the with the other way and uh it's just it's one of the disadvantages it's much much harder to win in horse racing than it is in in sports betting the house usually wins between 15 to 20 percent compared to five to seven percent in sports so i think you gotta try to get every advantage you can get john campbell we appreciate it we'll talk to you next wednesday any particular bets that you love coming into tonight do you like the the we've got game two going on between the celtics and the 76ers do you like one side there what about in the uh, in the nhl obviously where we've got a couple of different games going on as well we've got uh let's see i gotta pull them up we've got the lightning and the bruins and the golden knights and the sharks any of those three games that are going on nhl nba wise that you like uh, I like the under a lot in the Bruins game. Bolts playing much tougher defense last game. Uh, I, I'm going to keep playing underdogs in the NBA just because I, I think we're going to see some adjustments after favorites have absolutely killed. So I'm going to write out the underdogs here. I'm going to be on the Celtics again. I think that line surprises some people at plus three, but I think they're going to cover again here in a really tight series. Outstanding stuff as always. John Campbell, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot, Clay.
Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We're joined now by Brandon Wright, uh, NBA veteran of uh, eight or nine years now. I don't know exactly how many years. I'll ask him here uh, momentarily. Brandon, how many years you been in the league now? Uh, just since 11, man. 11? Wow. Yeah. Do you feel like you came in at uh, 19 years old, right? Yeah, 19, yep. What do you wish you had known when you were 19 that you know now about playing in the NBA? Uh, that's a tough question. I mean, I think the biggest part is how many games you actually play. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you play a lot of games. I mean, it's three and a half games a week, six months straight, maybe eight months, depending on how long you go. It's That was, that was like my toughest adjustment right there, just playing so many games and you know, in college, you play 40 games max a year. I mean, double that, you know, maybe triple that if you go really, really far. We're talking to uh, to Brandon Wright. All right, so what did you see last night? Do you think the Raptors are done? You've probably been on a team before that you thought was better than the team that they were playing against, and then you find a way to lose. Happens all the time in college. It can happen in high school. Lots of people out there listening knows that feeling when your team you feel like is better, but you've had a rough stretch against the other team. And it just feels like psychologically they own you because you can't quite break through that wall and get the win. That's what I felt like down the stretch for the Raptors, that the Cavs expected to win. And by the way, the Cavs have won five games now in the postseason so far this year. All five of them they could have lost. They haven't blown anybody out. They've won five games. All four of the games that they beat the Pacers in, they could have lost. Certainly they could have, perhaps should have, lost that game against the Raptors. Did you feel that way watching this game, that the Cavs expected to win because they had LeBron and uh, the Raptors were hoping to win? Yeah, you, you, hit the, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, it's, at this point, it's, it's definitely psychological. I've seen every single game that uh, Toronto's played against Cleveland this year. A couple of games of blowouts, which were early in the year. and You know, Cleveland wasn't the same team they were now. And, you know, they weren't engaged. But it seemed like every time they play against, you know, Cleveland, they get up 20, you know, 20, 22 points, whatever, and then they just expect Cleveland to make a run, and then Cleveland always steals it at the end. It's just it's in their head right now, and I, I just don't think they can pull it off. It's going to be tough. What about the DeMar DeRozan pass? You've been in that situation, too. Uh, you're down one in overtime. DeRozan said, I'm going to pass it to him every time. Van Vliet wasn't really that open. He was playing with a hurt shoulder. How do you balance when maybe you're the superstar and you should take a difficult shot, even though it's not necessarily the highest percentage shot, versus making the pass given the situation in the game? How do you decide as a player what the right move is there? I mean, if I'm on that team and he's my teammate, I don't think there's a wrong answer. You know, if he shoots that ball, you know, he misses, he hits, whatever, I'm not going to fault him for the decision he made. He swings the ball like he did to a man he thought was a little bit more open. I can't fault him for that either. You know, he still made the right basketball play. It's always tough, you know, when you're the superstar and you're the best player on the team. You know, they want you to shoot that shot, but, you know, I can't fault him for what he did. And, you know, they're going to have to dig deep and find a way to uh, get back in the series. I mean, game two is a must win for them. Who's the best team in the Eastern Conference right now? Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, I guess you have to say Cleveland. I mean, um, you know, they, they – they obviously had a mental edge over all these teams. They've, they've been the farthest. They've been through the most. Uh, you know, Philly, Boston series is the classic. We have a better team than you, but the coach on the other side is, is, is much better. And, um, 
you know, they 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 got to find a way to get back in that seat. I thought they they went into it, you know, thinking we, we you know we're in control, we we're the better team, we'll be able to handle this matchup, and um, you know, they got hit with a you know hit with a hurricane against Boston the first first game. Who would you rather be right now if you were the team that's down 1-0? Would you rather be the Sixers or would you rather be the Raptors? Oh, the Sixers, no doubt. Uh, I mean, like, like we said, the Raptors, Cleveland is just in their head. I mean, at this point, they, they, they can't get over the hump when the games matter. Obviously, they had a better team, you know, deeper roster, better bench. You know, obviously, LeBron James is the best player in the series, but you know, his team is not um, you know, able to to do the things that his team's been able to do in the past, but they just can't get over the hump. And, I mean, Philadelphia, they'll be fine. They just need to come out and play a little bit, a little bit smarter, a little bit harder in the beginning, uh, get off to a better start. They need a steal game, too. And they're playing on the road, so they still have something that they can take advantage of, whereas the Raptors, do you think the Raptors will win in game two at home, or do you think they will lose tomorrow? I think they'll win. Uh, I think I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be similar to, to what we've seen so far pretty much the whole regular season. They'll get out to a big lead, Cleveland will close the gap, but I think this time that Toronto, they'll end up pulling it out, and then they'll go to Cleveland, and it'll be a whole new series. We'll see what happens. 11-year NBA veteran Brandon Wright with us now, uh, breaking down the NBA playoffs. Okay, let's go to the uh, let's go to the Western Conference. Do the Pelicans or the uh, or the Jazz have any chance at all to win these series that they're in? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I've been watching these games like. No, not really listen to the commentary or anything like that. I'm just like literally just watching the game. You know? So what do you do? I want to pause you there. Like you, you've played in the NBA for 11 years. You know the, a lot of the players. You've played in a lot of games. You literally just sit with it on mute and like do something else, or what do you do? Not listening when you say not listening to the commentary. Well, these, especially in the Western Conference, with these games where they, you know, I kind of already figure out. You know, I think Houston and Golden State will advance with the. With the Eastern Conference games, I'm you know I got the volume all the way up. I'm blasting it loud. My wife is telling me to turn the TV down. <laughs> like I'm I'm really into those games. But these Western Conference games, you know, is a foregone conclusion. That pretty much, we'll see Houston and Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. I'm just waiting on that, and I'm excited. I hope both teams stay healthy. You know, come down the stretch. You've played, I think, for the Warriors, I know, and you've also played a short amount of time with the Rockets. So you know not only uh, what these teams are like looking at them as an NBA veteran, but also what these teams are like having been in their locker rooms. How similar are they? How would you assess that matchup if that's where we're headed, where it appears we certainly are, in the Western Conference Finals between the Warriors and the Rockets? Who would you give the advantage to? Uh, I would get a slight advantage just to Houston. Because of the home home court advantage, um, but you can't take anything away from Golden State. They have uh, they have tremendous players. Uh, it's going to come down to shooting. You know who can make the most threes. Um, you know how Steph hold up. Is he? You know he, last night he looked great. Um, you know will he get fatigued from not playing such a long time? Um, you know uh, will will Golden State be able to go into Houston and steal a game? All those things come into effect. But I think the three ball will be important. There's no doubt, um, and and when you are a big man, like and obviously you're a little bit of a a stretch big man, and that you're more athletic than your typical big man. How do you see the NBA game evolving in terms of all the three pointers that are attempted? I mean, does a part of you wish you had played a decade earlier? Uh, you know, I, when I first came in the, to the NBA, it was still like throw it in the post, you know, back down, back down, shoot a jump hook, whatever. You know that was that was kind of on his way out when I first came in, and then when I got to the middle of my career, when I kind of got to Dallas, 
that's when it kind of really opened up where five guys on the perimeter, a lot of pick and roll. You know, the big man, you set the pick and roll, you get the man open to shoot the three, you roll to the bucket, you know, you get the dunk. You know, that's the end of the now. And, you know, you got to be very versatile. You got to be able to switch out on a lot of defenders. And, I mean, that's that, it's just a trend right now. You know, we'll be talking about this in 10 years, and then they'll be throwing it back into the post, you know, with the big man or, you know, seven foot 280. Who would you uh, buy stock in right now? For the young guys, like so, you're you've been in the league for 11 years. If I told you right now that it's like investing, uh, and and obviously there are some guys like I would say if you've already won a championship, if you're Steph Curry, if you're you know uh, if you're of that era, like you're old enough that we already know what your value is. For the guys, the Oladipo's, the Ben Simmons, the uh, the uh, certainly what's going on with the Pelicans. They got a couple of young guys, Anthony uh, Davis among them. Like, who would you want to buy stock in for the next decade right now? If you had to pick two guys, like blue chip stocks, for the next decade to be involved with, to be like get a share of their earnings, who do you think the future of the NBA is? I mean, honestly, I'm a, I'm a huge, I'm a huge big Ben Simmons fan. Uh, I love watching him play. I love what he can do on the court. He's so versatile. You know, 6'10", he's, he can dribble the ball, he can handle the ball, he can pass. You know, and when he's aggressive, I mean, he's pretty much unstoppable. Uh, obviously, he'll continue to work on his shot, you know, work on his form, extend his range. But, I mean, he's just a matchup problem each and every night. And, and a guy I played against almost every year for the last seven, eight years, Anthony Davis, I mean, he's just tremendous. I mean, he can do everything. He's a, I think he's only 25. So he, yeah. he, still, he still has a lot left in the tank. I mean, he's been in the NBA for a long time now, but – He's still scratching the surface, and he's already a you know top five player probably. Can Ben Simmons develop an outside shot? And if so, how do you do that? Like he's still a young guy, but I think I saw that he attempted three threes in his one year at LSU. I don't think he's hardly attempted any in the uh, in the NBA. Uh, how do you develop at least a decent shot? Because he's almost at the level now uh, where when Rondo was at his peak, and I know Rondo's still a good player. But when he was at his peak with the Celtics, guys would start off 10 feet off of him because they knew that they couldn't stop him once he got going to the basket because he was so good at handling the basketball. But they didn't respect his jump shot at all. How, how, inside, of a, inside of a team, how do you develop that outside shot if you've never had it before, if you're Ben Simmons, and can you do it? I mean, most of the time, and you know, you hear this thing about Alonzo Ball and his shot and you know, how it looks and people don't like it. Is when you get to the NBA, they, they really don't mess with your mechanics a lot at all. They just want you to shoot the ball, and it comes down to just confidence and repetition. I mean, if you had the confidence to shoot the ball no matter how it looks, you know, the ball start going in eventually. I mean, we've all played basketball, you know, from the peewee all the way up to the, the highest level in the world in the NBA. You know, if, if you have confidence, you think it's going in, usually sometimes, most of the time, it ends up going in. And, you know, he just has to continue to shoot the ball whenever – you know, he gets to the offseason, just keep shooting and keep shooting and keep seeing the ball go in the basket, and he'll be fine. How many shots should you get up? There's a lot of kids listening to us right now who are driving into work and, and, and school and whatnot across the country who, who work on their games. If you're trying to develop an outside shot like that, I mean, when you were developing your game, how much time would you spend in the gym working as a 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old kid? Oh, I mean, at that time, it was a little bit different now because, you know, guys are specialized and, you know, all these top high school prospects have trainers and stuff like that. And they, you know, they have opportunity to to really get a lot better and and 
those areas. And I, mean, I was in high school. I just did all the stuff with my coach. You know, he pushed me to do a lot. But you know, when I train now, is you know the the thing about people now they they don't they just shoot just to shoot. You know, they say, okay, I'm gonna go to this spot and shoot ten. You know, I go to this spot and I make ten in a row, and then I move to the next spot. I mean, it's all about makes. It's all about seeing the ball going in the basket. And, you know, I don't usually move to the next spot until I made, made ten in a row. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, okay, we've got the – there are eight teams left. I think it's pretty clear that it's going to be Rockets versus uh, Rockets versus the Warriors. You said I think you take the Rockets maybe in that series. Uh, also in the East, you've got uh, four teams that are also wide open, but who would you take there? Would you still take the Cavs? Yeah, I, I'm leaning toward the Cavs, and I'm leaning toward uh, a Philadelphia Cavaliers series. Um I love to see how that that plays out. I mean, it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, the interesting thing about the Cavs is, no matter who they play, going out through the playoffs, they don't have any more home court advantage. Yep. So, uh, you know, I, I just want to see how they respond. Kind of really what he's doing on the road, uh, you know, not had the higher seed in in his matchup for this many series in a row. So, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Last question for you. Uh, I think you played with Draymond Green and know him a little bit. Um, what is the overall vibe? Charles Barkley last night said he'd like to see him get punt- punched in the uh, in the face, and then Draymond had a uh, a response to that as well. What's the overall vibe for Draymond Green? Is he a guy who's liked in the NBA, or is he a guy that a lot of people don't like? I mean, what, how would you assess what NBA players think? Because a lot of fans have opinions on Draymond Green. I'm curious if NBA players have similar or different opinions of Draymond Green. Yeah, I, I actually I just missed him a year, so we kind of kind of passed through. But um, I think you hit it right on. People that watch the game and watch him play, you know, absolutely hate his guts. You know, they hate the way he plays. They hate that he. You know, argues with the official officials, and they hate that how he plays and what he does. He's always barking, but you know, players. I don't think players have a problem with him. I, mean, I really haven't heard any guy say anything bad about him. You know, we love the way he plays. You know, we would love to have a guy like him on the team. And, you know, you take him off that team. You know, who knows where they go? He's the heart. You know, he can match up with anybody. He's he's the type of player that that fits this NBA. You know, in, in this current time. Also, uh, Charles Barkley, how much attention do your does your average player or your average team pay to inside the NBA to what Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, uh, and, and Ernie Johnson, Shaq are saying on a night-to-night basis? It seems like they have a lot of influence in the league. Is that something that people talk about? Hey, did you see what they said about, uh, about so-and-so on inside the NBA? Or do people kind of just tune it out and, and, and not really pay much attention? You get a little bit of both. <laughs> you know, some guys, they just, you know, they, they wave their hand at it. And some guys get real sensitive about it, you know, because they do have a, a pretty, pretty big stage. Uh, you know, they've won awards for that show. So a lot of people watch it. You know, whatever they say goes a long way. And, you know, when they say something disrespectful about a player or a player doesn't, didn't feel like it was, that was the right thing, you know, players get a little upset about that. And they usually, they usually bark back. And, you, you know, you see it a lot. You see it yesterday. Yeah, no, we definitely saw it. Brandon Wright, appreciate the time, my man. Uh, have a good uh, rest of the week. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. That's Brandon Wright. Uh, we'll get his Twitter account out for you. You can go follow him. Good dude, 11 years in the league, uh, waking up early with us to break down the NBA. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis, weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. It's a confident show, especially when we got a guy like Jason Whitlock at Whitlock Jason on Twitter. Speak for yourself every afternoon on 
uh, FS1 rolling in with us. So I want to start with this, uh, Whitlock. You buying into the Raptors in any way, or do you think they collapsed and Raptors raptored down the stretch and that LeBron James is going to have his way with them again? Yeah, that was embarrassing last night and somewhat predictable. If you know the history of LeBron versus the Toronto Raptors. And so, I mean, <laughs> a game that Toronto controlled from start to finish until crunch time and magically they, they can't get the ball in bounds and an important possession down the stretch and they can't stop LeBron James at the end of crunch time and in 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 regulation and then they'd figure out a way to lose the game even when some officiating seemed to go their way late in the game Toronto just Toronto they're not good enough confident enough strong enough to beat LeBron James in games that matter. Do you want to see the Warriors play the Cavs again, or do you think the Cavs are such a defeated and weakened team now that that would be even worse than the series that we saw last year? I think it would be worse than the series we saw last year, but all I really care about is seeing exciting games before the NBA Finals. I've kind of prepared myself that the Finals are going to be disappointed regardless of who makes it. And so as long as the conference playoffs are exciting, I'm satisfied. And I think the Eastern Conference playoffs have been magnificent and marvelous. I thought that game last night. And look, Boston and Philadelphia, their game one was great. So I'm satisfied. Do you think – we talked a little about this last week, but I think it's the number one story that's kind of hanging over the NBA in general. Is the NBA got a great product, or do they have LeBron James that everybody cares about? And when he leaves, is the NBA in danger of a Tiger Woods leaving golf, and certainly a Michael Jordan leaving uh, leaving the NBA kind of drop off? And what I mean by that is, my contention is that the NBA has a luminescent, huge superstar in LeBron James that everybody has an opinion about. Other than him. I don't know that there's very many players or teams that really move the needle. I know Warriors fans are listening right now. Like Everybody loves Steph. Everybody loves our team. They pay attention. I don't really know that that's the case. The Warriors are 22-2 and in their last 24 games. And frankly, unless the Rockets can give them a run, I don't think there's a lot of suspense about which team is the best in the NBA. And so I think it's more of almost a coronation of their talent. And I don't think there are a lot of people out there that feel that strongly about having to watch them, if it's, say, Warriors against the Raptors or Warriors against the 76ers, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people tuning in. I, I think when it gets to the NBA Finals, it's going to be such a mismatch that that's the problem. I think sports fans like great competition. And if there's great competition, it doesn't matter as much who's in the uniforms. I don't think LeBron James is anything like on the level of Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan. And and so I don't think the NBA is overly dependent upon LeBron James. I think talk shows in the sports world are completely dependent on LeBron James, but I, I, I'm not sure if that's the same as sports fans and NBA fans. And, and so, look, the NBA Finals are going are not going to be that exciting this year. Next year, when Boston is healthy, 
And, you know, when Philadelphia is a year more mature and maybe has added an additional piece, I think you're going to see a great NBA Finals that's compelling, regardless who comes out of the West, Golden State or Houston. Uh, but in terms of the league being completely dependent upon LeBron James the way it was with Michael Jordan or the way golf was with Tiger Woods, I just don't see it. Did you see Draymond uh, and Charles Barkley uh, going back and forth last night? I saw at halftime where Barkley said he wanted to punch Draymond yes. in the mouth. Uh, I, did, did something happen after yeah. the game? We'll play the audio for you. Draymond Green responded. For everybody waking up across the country who hasn't heard this, last night late halftime of the uh, of the Golden State and Pelicans game, Charles Barkley had this to say, and then Draymond Green responded after the game. What do you want to call it, Chuckster? I just want somebody to punch him in the face. Which, Which one? one? <laughs> American Express halftime report. I really do. I just want somebody to punch him in the face. Why you don't like Mario J in Atlanta? I want to punch him in the face. Why you don't like Mario? I'm just telling you, I want to punch his ass in the face. I do. Why? Why? Relax, what Chuck. makes you upset? You asked me a question. I gave you a question. I, I'm not asking. I think a lot of guys talk on TV, um, stand behind a microphone and a TV screen. fact of the matter is, if, if you feel that strongly about something, he's seen me a million times. If he feel that strongly about it, then punch me in my face when you see me. If you're not going to punch me in my face when you see me, then shut up. It's no different than somebody sitting behind a computer screen tweeting, I'll knock you out and you never see him in life. Well, he's seen me a bunch of times and he'll see me again this year. Punch me in the face when you see me or if not, no one cares what you would have done. You old and it is what it is. So if you ain't going to punch me when you see me, then stop talking about it. Period. Dropped the mic. <laughs> Draymond Green responding to Charles Barkley. Jason Whitlock, your reaction? This is one of these weird deals where I think I like what both of them had yeah, to say. Right. <laughs> I agree with Charles Barkley. Draymond's annoying. I agree with Draymond. Quit running your mouth unless you really <laughs> do it. And so, you know, look, Draymond Green is the modern-day Charles Barkley. And it's weird that Barkley doesn't like him or, you know, wants to punch him in the face because he's basically saying that's how he would have felt about himself. Oh, there's no doubt. Uh, during his playing day. So I don't know if this is WWE. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of which one I think is more playing a character, and it's probably Barkley. But I actually think Draymond handled it well and is somewhat joking even in his response. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I think it's more entertaining so far than anything that's happened in the Western Conference playoffs outside of the series between the Jazz and uh, and the Thunder. Uh, all right, I want to ask you this, too. Um, did you hear the thing? I, I thought this was crazy, that the Patriots were evidently contemplating trading up to take Baker Mayfield at two overall. And obviously, we had the Tom Brady comments that came out yesterday, where Brady said uh, that he felt like you know he took the fifth on whether or not he felt like he was respected. All of those things. Uh, do you think? Are you as intrigued by the tension between Belichick and Brady as I am? Uh, in that both of these guys seem to want to be the reason why their dynasty has existed, and now can't seem to get along. Because I find it utterly fascinating, just from a human perspective. Yeah, I, I think it's one of the great stories in sports right now 
and certainly the top story in sports. I don't think, in from Brady's perspective, it's about credit. I think it's completely about the Super Bowl decision of not playing Malcolm Butler and Bill Belichick not thinking he has to explain it to the 53 guys in that locker room. Bill Belichick, every year, asks those 53 players to sacrifice themselves, do everything for the team, do your job, put up with me being a bully, and they all do it because the payoff is Bill Belichick's going to do his job to the best ability. He's going to put the team first. The benching of Malcolm Butler is one of the dumbest things that's ever happened in the Super Bowl. It was a selfish act, and Bill Belichick is walking around like he doesn't have to explain it to the 53 players. He doesn't have to explain it to the owner. And Tom Brady, in my opinion, is justifiably irate. I think the other 52 guys in that locker room, they're irate. It's the Super Bowl. It's a chance to... For a lot of those guys, not Brady, not Gronkowski, but for a lot of those guys in that locker room, it's their only chance to win a Super Bowl. And the head coach did something completely stupid, incompetent, and selfish, and then doesn't explain it, and then wants to hold everybody else accountable. And when they don't do their job, even Tom Brady, who's won your five Super Bowls, when he doesn't do his job, you call him out in front of the rest of the team, you scold him, you embarrass him, you chastise him in front of the rest of the team. But when you do something stupid, crickets. I don't blame Tom Brady for being upset. It's a fascinating story, and I'm curious how this is going to play out, but can you imagine the jet fuel that would have emerged if they had traded up and gotten Baker Mayfield there? Uh, Boy, trading Jimmy Garoppolo was a story. I can't even imagine what would have happened there. All right, I don't think we talked about this last week, but one of the most fascinating things going on in pop culture right now is Kanye West and what he's doing on Twitter. Um, and uh, and I know you've been paying attention to it. Yesterday he was at TMZ. What's your take in general on what Kanye is saying and what the response to him has been like? Listen, I, I think if you follow the history of Kanye West, he is clearly an iconoclast, and he is clearly a free thinker. Uh, he is not going to conform to convention and groupthink. So I think he's 1,000% right on brand. I think that if you listen to rap music and really listen to it and understand the values being expressed in, in rap music, and you have to listen closely because there's so much profanity, vulgarity, uh, misogyny, just depravity in rap that you get caught up in that and it's hard to hear the values being expressed. But the values are highly masculine and actually pretty conservative. It's every man for yourself. It is pull yourself up by the bootstraps. It's not a victim uh, narrative going on in rap music. It's pretty conservative. So it doesn't shock me that a rapper would be the person that would come out and have the balls to say, ah, I, I kind of like Trump. 
if you listen to rap music, Donald Trump, before he was the president, was all over rap music. His name, his lifestyle, what he represented was celebrated in rap music. So it's a hard pivot for rappers to go, oh, I hate Donald Trump. Well, hold on, man. We got 20 years of music saying you, rap has celebrated Donald Trump. And so I just think uh, Kanye West is being authentic in his beliefs. Uh, he's been friends with Donald Trump, and he's not going to abandon that because uh, groupthink says you have to. Uh, and then I think it's clearly a sign and a huge example of how the thoughts of black people are pol are policed by the left and it's like we're going to kick uh Kanye West out of the black race because he has expressed his true thoughts and we can't let anybody else do this and we have to make an example of him and so it's like if you ever saw the television show Roots I'm dating myself some of the younger people may not have seen it but it's like Kunta Kinte early in Roots, being taken out and beaten in front of all the other slaves, how dare you uh, not conform to what we've told you to conform to? It was like with Kunta Kinte, it was like, say your name, your name is Toby, it's not Kunta Kinte. And so right now, uh, Kanye West is being flogged, uh, and it's as an example to the rest of black people, don't you dare have independent thoughts, don't you dare express your true feelings uh there's an ideology that you must conform to and you don't have any leeway to stray from that in the slightest it's fascinating because i think that thought process that you just ran through us also happens now in the world of sports at least on social media and so before i get to that well let's go right there um when why do you think that homogenous thought is so desired why is because I, I think you're you're right like nobody ever says to me oh clay travis you can't say that and in any way references my race behind my opinion right by and large people are just like oh i agree with clay travis or i disagree with clay travis but people aren't saying oh you can't even say that why do you think there is that desire for the thought police to be so aggressive on social media that if anybody comes out and says something like kanye west said uh, you know, like, oh, I think that uh, that that that's a uh, that Donald Trump may not be all that's evil, or frankly, in the world of sports, if you say, yeah, I don't think Colin Kaepernick's protest necessarily makes the most sense, that you get so attacked. Why is that happening? Uh, I think as it relates to Kanye, some of it is just straight up Democrat versus Republican politics. The Democrat Party has the black vote. 1,000% or 98% on lock, and they don't want to lose that voting block in any way. They don't want that to dip to 92% or 87%, and Lord knows if it went to 50%, they'd be in trouble. Uh, I just, for every other ethnic group, every other, there's the freedom to be liberal or conservative, to be Democrat or Republican. Uh, as black people, we don't have that freedom, and we haven't yet figured out that that's one of the reasons 
it's hard for us to build, uh, to, to have the kind of political progress we want. If you're never a free agent, it, it would be like dating or marrying the first person you ever dated. You never, like, played the field and experimented and made just, it's a competition to land me. Don't be surprised if the results are no good. If you just give it away, if, if hey, there's one group and I'm just going to give them everything, regardless of the return on the investment, don't be surprised when the results are horrendous. And so I just think it's a political strategy uh, of policing our thoughts and keeping us in one political party so that we never experience progress or we experience a lot less progress. And does that then translate across in sports where there's less, uh, like, for instance, in Colin Kaepernick, where you have a story that connects in some way to politics, that there's less, like, you get attacked for saying you don't agree with Colin Kaepernick's methods, right? Yeah. I might get attacked, but nobody attacks me based on my background, right? Very little, anyway. Why do you think that happens in the world of sports, too? Are those connected in your mind? Because I just think it's an extension of politics, and people are smart enough to know that sports plays such a critical role in American society that if it's allowed in sports, people will see it and go, oh, damn, you can be a free thinker in sports. I want, that might work for me in the rest of my life as well. So it's just an extension of the political control and the, just the control and the subjuga- subjugation of black people Again, you're the one ethnic group in America that has no political freedom, has no ideological freedom. You can't think freely. It, again, it's it's a slave-master relationship that we have somehow bought into and think it's healthy, and it's not. And, Clay, I just want to be clear for everybody – I'm a non-voter. I don't like politics. I've never voted. I'm not saying this proudly. It's just a philosophy of mine. I'm not into the whole Democrat versus Republican debate because I just don't participate in that. But as an observer, as a journalist, I'm able to look and say, well, hold on. No other Asians don't do this. Italians don't do this. The Irish don't do this. No other Latinos don't do this. No other racial group does what we do. Pledge our allegiance to one side and and then be shocked that our results aren't the greatest. And so I, I just recognize that observer that it's unhealthy for us and it's the wrong political strategy, but it, it's hard. And so I think Kanye uh, is trying to express that. You had the Chance the Rapper, uh, he just mildly came out and said, hey, I'm not sure if it's good for black people just to be Democrats. And the next thing you know, he had to issue an apology. That's how strong the control of our political ideology is. And again, we seem to be good with it. We think that's normal, that our thoughts are this police, and we think it's healthy. Fascinating comments, Jason Whitlock. Go follow him on Twitter at Whitlock Jason. Watch his television show. Speak for yourself. I'm going to finish with another television show breakdown. Have you seen the most recent Billions, and why are you hating on Westworld? Well, I'm going to shock you. I have not been pleased with Billions. 
the, this last episode, the last 20 minutes, was a bit about the only good 20 minutes, in my view, this entire season. I, I think Billions has kind of lost his way uh, and slightly recovered last week. We'll see if they can follow up. But, I mean, the entire dynamics of the show now are about to change. It, it, it's not, it went from being Axe versus Chuck Rhodes to now it's going to be Axe and Chuck Rhodes versus Connerty. Uh, that's a significant shift. Uh, and I, I'm not sure if everybody, if Connerty is such a big deal and his character so developed and we understand his character well enough that we're going to like that battle as much as we did Chuck versus Bobby. What about Westworld? See, I'm a big fan Don't of watch. Westworld. Don't you, watch it. You... To me, the, remember the TV show Lost? Oh, yeah. Oh, I loved everybody Lost. loved Lost. Yes. I started uh, hanging out with some girl that talked me into watching Lost, and I watched 17 episodes because I thought, this girl's so smart and I want to like Lost. And so I just kept watching, kept watching, and I never liked Lost. That's where I'm at with Westworld. Y'all can have it. <laughs> outstanding stuff as always i know you'll have a good show tell people where to watch speak for yourself i'm telling you if you're not watching it you'll enjoy it fs1 we're on at five eastern five eastern fs1 jason whitlock thanks for waking up early with us my man we'll hopefully talk to you next week thank you Clay. uh go follow jason whitlock on twitter at whitlock jason and also thank him for getting up so early with us uh, out in la as he starts off his day with us uh on wednesday morning there Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.